Let's do it. Ready to rubble. <laughs> On the double. <laughs> Here we go. Released the same year as his predecessor, featuring the same lead man, and sponsored by the NRA, it's Son of Kong. <laughs> forgot about that nra at the very beginning i was like what yeah Yeah, it was very strange i was like (laughs) which is not what i expected considering it was sponsored by the nra there's a shockingly small amount of gunplay in this yeah yeah it really is there was more gunplay in the first for sure yeah i mean this movie could really have been uh improved by more guns (laughs) Probably so. I hate to say it, but probably so. Come on, NRA, do your job. Do your job. Anyway, welcome back to Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of monster podcasting. Uh, This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing, of course, the son of Kong. My question, Alex, where's Queen Kong? Ooh, well, you know, there is a Queen Kong. Do you want to go that deep? Well... <laughs> I am not so sure. I'm not so sure. Uh, but it does beg the question here in this movie, at least, where is the queen? Because there has to be a queen, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but we are, they also made assumptions that this was King Kong's son. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. How would they know that? Right. <laughs> I mean, you've got all sorts of other giant animals on this island. So it could be a completely different, you know, strand of giant gorilla family am, am i wrong idea. in thinking that the son of kong was like a almost not albino but almost like an albino gorilla compared to no. the original no it absolutely is it's an albino gorilla um and, and my question my question is um oh I, i've heard online that it's called that people sometimes refer to the son of kong as kiko have you heard this no yeah kiko so I don't think I'm going to be referring to Kong Jr. as Kiko. I think I'm going to be saying Kong Jr. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Kiko, the yeah, albino we're... baby gorilla. Yeah, we're going to stick to our gorilla. Nintendo naming conventions. Donkey Kong, <laughs> Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, Alex, it's time to, uh, to for one of our patron openers here. Ooh. So I need you to choose a number, one through four. Uh, three. All right. Uh this is from uh, Faye, one of our executive producers. She says, are either of you tired of Kaiju yet? Oh, n- no. But I will say that the Christmas break really gave us a much needed. It gave me a much needed reprieve. Uh, but I haven't gotten tired of Kaiju yet because we were finally doing something different. Like I, I did get a little tired of Toho to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. I was mm-hmm. starting to feel a little, there was certain points where I felt a little burnt out and then a movie would really like kind of bring me back. Like, Oh yeah, that was actually really great. Like Gorath was one of those mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that really like got me going again. And then the, this Kong series has kind of got me all, I'm ready to go again. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. And no, I feel very similar I'm not tired of Kaiju until I watch something that really like blows me away. 
I'm like, man, where has this been? Because <laughs> I like these films a lot, but but not many of them. Some of them do, uh, but not many of them blow me away week after week. Uh, right. But that's okay. Like that That's what we're here for is to kind of look at each of these and examine the nuances. And I do think King Kong last week was one of those films that blew me away the more I thought about it. Maybe didn't have quite as strong feelings about this one, Alex. Well, you know what our strongest probably series of films was for me where aside from early on in Godzilla, like when we're first getting the podcast started, we're trying to find our flow. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're kind of tweaking things. The end of the Godzilla series where we went through the, the, uh, Rewa legendary. Yeah. Series. That was really awesome because it was just so different. (laughs) It really was. Yeah. That was fun. It was fun to discuss those films on kind of a deeper level in a sense. I like, yeah. But but yeah, the, uh, us switching to American kaiju films for a little while is really good for, I think, our audience and us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know uh, how you're, you're enjoying this new series. Uh, feedback we love. Reviews on iTunes we love. Uh, you can email us at mvmpod.com. Let's jump into the film, though, shall we, Alex? Yes. All right. Here we go. Released later in the year, just months after its original. The Son of Kong brings back familiar elements. Carl Denham, a Skull Island, a sympathetic heroine, and giant monsters. But with these familiar elements, did the new adventure add any new developments? Ooh. Now, I will push back on one of those. I don't know if okay. a sympathetic heroine was in the previous film. Um, but I do think there was one in this one. And you already tipped your cap a little bit to me that you weren't a big fan of this film. I mm-hmm. actually... While this is nowhere near as good as the original, I actually found this film very enjoyable. Hmm. Uh, and I actually thought it had some surprising character developments that I would never have pictured this film having. <laughs> the the odd right. thing, though, really, for me, is that I actually bought into these new developments, uh, especially with Denim in particular. Uh, also, the introduction of Kong Jr. really steals the show once he appears, which is pretty late in the film. Yeah. And overall, you know, I really enjoyed this film for the most part, except for those final five minutes or so that are completely out of nowhere in a lot of ways. And it is just the whole sequence is completely wild. <laughs> well, this is interesting because I'm not too favorable on this film. But the aspect I do like is about the final five minutes. So, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll be up front and say Son of Kong is absolutely 100%, you know, two giant monkey fists a step backwards from its predecessor. <laughs> yeah, but but the one area of development is Kong Jr. Um, or the son of Kong himself. Like, I actually like Kong Jr. in this film. I like I like his face first of all. Like King Kong's <laughs> face, we didn't really talk about it. Last <laughs> yeah, we week. did. It was no. pretty rough. <laughs> but it's it's rough because it's just not scary. You know, it didn't scare me. It actually kind of made me laugh a little bit. Like it's well made. It just didn't fit the character. You know, right here, Kong Junior's face is even softer, and it actually fits the tone of the character. I feel like yes, um, and also there's genuine sympathy created for Kong Junior through those human interactions. So if there's one area of development to go back to my initial question, it's in that relational aspect between the humans and Kong, 
which we see in later iterations as an important aspect of the Kong franchise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you definitely see a lot more of that. Uh, that inspiration is definitely in these later iterations of Kong and whoever female he is attracted to at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think it's usually Anne that is the yes. character that keeps coming back. But the relationship directly stems from this film and definitely not the original, which is really interesting mm-hmm. that this one has such a huge influence on the others. I really like the way they played with Hilda in this film. Uh, she's far more interesting and likable than Anne really was because she was kind of a bit of a dud in the last film, especially after she gets off the ship. Now, what I like about Hilda is that she's given a lot more agency in this film than Anne ever did. And for the most part, she plays a really strong character. I don't buy the relationship that she develops with Denim at the very end, but I do appreciate something about Denim is that he never initiates any any sort of sexual relationship with Hilda until she initiates that moment, which Mm -hmm. is really nice. And there were even these moments throughout the film where I feel like he has to restrain himself and keep himself from making those... (laughs) Making those moves, moves. (laughs) those advances towards Hilda. And you see him pull back. And I really like these little small moments. They almost feel out of character probably for him. But what I like is just that shown of restraint that there's that undercurrent of something is probably changing Denim. Not that we really saw in the previous film that he was any sort of womanizer. We actually never see him do anything like that. Uh, Another character that I was really glad to see back in this is the captain. And what I really liked about seeing the captain in this is that he is in the same predicament as Denim, being sued into oblivion. And he (laughs) immediately just wants to flee the country. Because back then, why not? Because no one's ever going to find you (laughs) if you flee the country. I actually thought it was a completely reasonable response to... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially losing everything and going to jail for at least a giant monkey on a city. Um, and that kind of brings me back to Denim, who is in the exact same situation. Uh, after the end of the film, everyone hates this man. He's the most hated man in America. And you see it bringing him down to this new low where he is actually examining himself. And I actually, even though it's a m- month later, I buy that everyone hating him has made him relook at uh, made him look at himself. And at first you feel like he almost blames Kong for it instead of himself. But we see that slow change where he becomes, I guess, kind of likable. I'm never sympathetic to what he did towards Kong, but I, I do like the changes that are in his character. Uh, especially, when we see how many characters really love him, which was really strange. Everyone loves Denim, even though he's the most hated man in America, if, if you're judging by the lawsuits. Even the guy delivering him papers likes him. His landlord mm-hmm. loves him. Every person that meets him really likes him. But, I mean, the, the guy serving him papers even helped him escape, <laughs> which is just <laughs> ridiculous. And... I like that he's largely abandoned those scummy ways, even if he does still fall into another get-quick-rich scheme. Mm. You know, the treasure of Skull Island. But once he meets Kong Jr., whom he never quite understands like Hilda does, 
he does care about the big ape, and he even feels remorse about killing its dad, which I really liked. Another yeah. interesting thing is that he never understands Kong, even at the very end when so- Kong sacrifices himself. Well, he doesn't sacrifice himself, but he saves him, mm-hmm. and Denim never quite gets it. But Hilda kind of has to lay it out for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so my issue with the film, uh, some of the things that you're actually mentioning, I, the human characters, I'm never sold on them. I just have, I don't have much sympathy for Denim. Even as, you know, the film does try to make him sympathetic from the start. He's presented as a much more likable character here, but he is the main lead. And it may be the fact that it's just been, you know, a week since we've watched the last one. But mm-hmm. I found it to be a hard time finding much sympathy for the character that was essentially the human antagonist of the first film. Right. The rest of my issues then kind of stem from there. The chemistry between him and Hilda just doesn't feel authentic. Um, the captain and Denim are duped far too easily by Hellstrom, right? <laughs> and their dialogue just isn't as witty or biting as it was in the original. Right. I think a good example of this is, um, you know, 42 minutes into the film, Denim finally discovers Kong Jr. And then as he's about to (laughs) tell the captain, uh, he actively avoids Hellstrom and and then tells the captain about it. And the captain responds, whatever you do, don't mention the little Kong to Hellstrom. He would have a nervous breakdown. And Denim responds, I like to break his neck. It wants to be clever, but really it's just expositional (laughs) and generic and unneeded. So did you have yeah. any sort of issues like this with the film or, or are you staying primarily positive here? Well, you're not you're not wrong about a lot of your takeaways. It's definitely the the dialogue's a little more generic. The initial sequence in Denim's apartment even feels like a stage play. Uh in a lot of ways. There there's a lot of things off about this that are clear that there's a lower budget, lower dare I say effort <laughs> put into this entire film. So I I don't even disagree with any of your complaints, really, except for that I, I, I don't even find Denim sympathetic, really, because I don't feel bad for what he did to Kong. I feel bad for Kong for what he did to Kong, <laughs> and I feel bad for Kong Jr., but I do like that I see growth in him. Even if some people might not find it believable, I still enjoyed those moments. But really, my biggest issue with the film is the final five minutes. Uh, I mean, (laughs) this film, it feels like the filmmaker was told to make the most exciting finale ever, but only gave him five days to do it. And then as an act of retribution, he went on, he went for the jugular against the studio in an effort to kill the entire franchise by not just destroying Kong (laughs) Jr., but destroying all of (laughs) Skull Island with such veracity that I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. (laughs) (laughs) Really really though, I I don't really have any idea what happened in these final moments, which built up a little, if it was built up a little more properly, could have been really good. I don't know if this was a Indiana Jones and the temple of doom situation where he pulls, he lifts up the thing and it causes the Island to crumble or if this was a tropical storm that just came in way too fast and somehow destroyed an entire island. But I will say, despite this, I still felt really sad for Kong Jr. as he dies saving yes. uh, Denim. It's, it's yeah, an, oh yeah. that, that moment is excellent. 
uh, you know, he is the selfless protagonist of the film, Kong Jr. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And a couple more positives from, from me. Like, we get some really cool new dinosaurs and creatures here, uh, including a Kong Jr. fight with a giant bear. Yeah. I guess. That <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then one of the monster moments will come up again in my awards, but I did enjoy the stop motion material, even if it wasn't as sophisticated as the original. Um, right. and, and that was pretty obvious, I think, just from watching it. And I did enjoy the island escape aspect of the last 10 minutes there. I'm with you, though. I'm not sure why these waters start to rise, <laughs> but I liked it. You know, it created yeah. some good tension. Um, but, I mean, it is this issue with the plot where it just feels like the plot can go anywhere you know, all like even going to Skull Island was a stretch, right? All of a sudden, now there's a treasure on the island that we're going to go get. That was just not believable from the start. You know, they never should have believed Hellstrom, but they fell for it, right? Which they Denim did. wouldn't have, because Denim is is usually more of a he's more intuitive. I feel like about those things, but he he went for it and was duped a hundred percent. And then here yeah. at the end, I'm not sure why it happens, but it happens. But it created some good tension and a good moment for Kong Jr. and Denim, um, who I don't think actually, based off the film's end, has learned his lesson as he you know, tells everyone else to go ahead without him and he's going to go get the treasure, right? Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't think he's learned much, actually, at the end of the story. But I, I liked it. It might be because Theo and I have been playing... Uh, the board game Forbidden Island where the waters rise and we try to escape. That oh. may be the reason I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I agree. The duping is a little too simple, uh, but I do like that <laughs> he lies about there being treasure on the island and then there is actually treasure yeah, on the island. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, it pretty funny. And I do Great. like the brief appearance of some of the natives from the original and then they just immediately have to back the boat off the beach and go away. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but hey, MVM Plus today, what I want to do for MVM Plus, Alex, is I just want to catch up a little bit. We haven't talked in a while. We had a brief hiatus here between these films uh, over the holiday break. So we're going to mm-hmm. use MVM Plus to kind of catch up. And I'm sure that will lead to some interesting discussions over at patreon.com slash Pod. But hey. You know the theometer yeah. has asked for a bit of a hiatus. Oh, he's he's a bit he's a bit burned out from the theometer. So I'm going to give him a bit of a hiatus and ask the Gwindar to step in for a couple episodes. Do you All think right. Gwindar can handle that? Oh yeah, we're going to have to cut his wages, but yeah, we uh, will have to cut. She, his wages. Gwyn, Gwyn's always up for a little extra of cash. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> that dollar oh seven a month. <laughs> it's time for. The Gwendar. Gwendar. Dar, dar. <laughs> All right. What do you see, Gwenny? I'm showing you this awesome scene. What are those? Gwen is currently eating a chicken tender. I did not anticipate her doing this. What, what are they doing, Gwen? What are those? They're making songs. And they're making songs, you said? Yeah. Which one's your favorite? Oh, the one on the drums? What's your favorite? Uh, the one on the violin. Or, uh, she... Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. All right, Glenn. Oh, oh, oh good job. All right, I'm going to show you... Oh, now I'm going to show you the son of Kong. Oh, look, Glenn. A dinosaur. You like dinosaurs. That was a 
that's a triceratops. That was a triceratops. I see the triceratops. Yeah, very good. All right, do you want to see this? Do you want to see King Kong's son? <laughs> now he's gonna fight a bear right here. Oh, we're in the middle of an ad. That was pick. That that was what? That was a pig. A pig? That was not a pig. Look, that was a bad angle. You didn't see him set up, did you? Look. Look. Wow. That's King Kong's son on the left. He's the white one. He's a good guy. The bear is a bad guy. Is it scary? No, it's not scary. No. It, it, I mean, it's, it's especially good when you're eating a chicken tender while we're recording this, I think. What do you think? You see him in his head? That's silly. <laughs> yeah, that was silly, wasn't it? Do you think that that moment was totally consistent with the rest of the film? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and me would disagree on that. I think. Hey, Mothra. There's <laughs> no Mothra. <laughs> Not in this one. Hey, hey, Mingo. Who? <laughs> Mingo. Mingo? No, mean bear. Okay. Hi, mean bear. Oh, mean bear. Is that what you're saying? I don't know what that line was. You, you can call him mean bear. That's fine. Only what's in the nose. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm that's so just, sorry. Oh, she just spit all over the microphone. Um. All right. And that's the Gwendar. Yay. Yay. All right, Alex. Uh, <laughs> let's jump into our awards then. Who was your right. coolest character award? Mine is, depending on whether you're going by the opening credits or not, uh, either Chinese Cook or Charlie, which I don't know why they just didn't call him Charlie in the opening credits, but Charlie is awesome. I mean, he, not only when they stage a mutiny, he's like, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm getting off this boat. Those people are, those people suck. And then not only that, he sneaks those guns onto the boat. (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> I love that moment where they're like, you know, why don't you give us guns? And then Charlie's over here pointing to him. He's like, yo, I, I, got, I got you hooked up, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in, in, in a movie that is sponsored by the NRA and a movie that has a line that says, he's a white man, someone I can talk to. I'm not surprised that the credits call him the Chinese cook, Alex. <laughs> I don't know. How did I miss? Oh, yeah. He says that. Was Hild- the, the, Hilda's, Hilda's, Hilda's dad. dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Well, but. I think the impl- I thought the implication of that, and I, I could be wrong. I thought the implication of that was that they speak the same language. Not yeah, necessarily I'm, I, I'm sure anything. that's the case. Okay. I'm sure. That, but I still think there's implications with that as well. Very but possible. It's not a it's not every character is a good character in a film, right? Um, sure. But yeah, they can't all be as good as Denim. <laughs> no, they can't, they can't all be as good as my coolest character, which is Kong Jr. Um, Kong Jr. <laughs> is the selfless protagonist of this movie. Mm. Uh, you can't convince me on Denim, but you can convince me on Kong Jr. I like uh, the changes made to him. Uh, I like the more sympathetic monster uh, because I do think it paves the way for future iterations. So Kong Jr. is my coolest character. Yeah, what what did you think of those slapstick moments that he was involved in, especially when he's fighting a creature and he hits his head and does that? <laughs> it's okay, right? It's okay. Um, 
It reminds me a little bit of like Son of Godzilla in a sense, you know, yes. that had some slapstick moments. It's just a slightly different audience and I'm okay with that. This film is slightly less violent um, than yeah. the original. Actually, oh, quite yeah. a bit less violent than the original. <laughs> yes, um, quite a bit. So I, I would say the audience is, is younger overall, so I'm okay with some of those moments. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, my most memorable line award is Denim to Hilda. As Hilda is calling her monkey down from the tree, Denim says, you'll never catch a monkey that way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really just reminded me of me trying to reason with my own kids. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm never going to catch a monkey by just calling out to him. It's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, mine was more of a personal line. You'll never catch a monkey that way. <laughs> what about you? Um, mine was denim as well. They're watching Hilda perform and the, and the denim asks the captain what he thinks of her. And he, he makes a comment that her voice, uh, he, he's not a big fan of her voice. And the denim says voice, who cares? She's got personality. She just needs someone to show her what to do with it. And yeah. that was like typical, t- typical denim. He spots tat. He can see, but what we do learn is that he can spot talent a mile away, which is really interesting. Uh, but <laughs> I, I like, I was also, watching. I, I like that line because there's a pause after who cares. He says, voice, who cares? She's got personality. I thought he was going to go in a different direction with that. Yeah, I did too. Uh, but he's like, she's got personality, which I really liked. I did like that touch. Yeah, yeah, that's just, again, I keep thinking he's getting ready to do something like make a comment about her looks or make an advance towards her, and then he doesn't, which is, I like that he keeps throwing me off <laughs> of what yeah. I would expect of a protagonist in that era, even. Yeah. Um, or even now, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I just really like that line. And there was, a, I had a real runner up where Denim is talking to the captain. He's like, he makes a comment about, uh, do you know where Scott, uh, something about Skull Island? And the captain goes, seven, 1,753 miles. <laughs> and uh, I just like that immediate, like, oh yeah, I've got Skull Island on my mind all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good line. Uh, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Uh, the Violin Monkey that is performing during Hilda's performance. Yeah, yeah. I, he did such a great job. Or she. <laughs> I, I can't, yeah. I'm not great with uh, monkey biology anatomy. Um, mm-hmm. But he or she was just the, the most charming little monkey that I've ever seen. <laughs> it was a cute monkey. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Mine uh, was Helen Mack as Hilda. Specifically during the fire scene, yes, uh, when Hilda is dragging her her father out in heels. By the way, uh, dragging her her father out from the burning tent. I just thought it was pretty authentic. Her reaction um, in, in that moment that was actually the strongest moment from the first forty minutes of the film. I thought as mm. as a set piece, it yes. was really well done uh, and really believable. And she did a great job throughout that entire scene. Yeah, that scene, it really stands out. The way it's shot and every, everything about that entire scene, her dragging her dad out is just, mm-hmm. it's really well done compared to a lot of the film. Yeah, yeah. And compared to some of like the dialogue moments, the the characters interacting, I just thought that was a standout moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about your uh, standout effect award? So mine, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I hinted at it. It is the sea serpent. Um, when when Hellstrom runs away at the end uh, to the boat, you get that sea serpent that pops his head out of the water. Um, and it's pretty terrifying at that moment. Like it's probably the most terrifying monster in the film. He pops his head out and that's the moment we, we get him eating Hellstrom. Uh, mm. And that was pretty cool you know that was probably the the most uh intense moment of the entire film but it was also just really well done and Mm -hmm. genuinely frightening that's probably not the part to show gwen (laughs) we'll see no i won't because i'll I'll have to hear about it um and then mine was the monkey band i'm going right back to him again back to back oh man they were just so excellent. The whole thing. I'm impressed by how well trained they were. I'm sure in reality they're probably abused, especially back in that day. But they just oozed charm all together. And you really like mu- those monkeys. Yeah, and that music, it just slaps, man. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> uh, until we got to Hilda's voice, and then it was, no, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they weren't performing then. If they were, she probably would have yeah. really... Sword. She would have upped her game a little bit for sure. <laughs> what about the uh, Oh, That's a Good Shot award? Uh, mine had to be that moment you mentioned earlier. Hilda dragging her dad in the tent away from the fire. Specifically, she's dragging him inside the tent away from the fire, not when she's outside. It just it really looks great. The, yeah. Just just the, the way she really feels really like a really strong character in that moment where she's Physically strong, but mentally strong as well as she is dragging her passed out dad away from that fire. It just, it looks great. The lighting, everything about it is pretty great. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. I'm glad you noticed that that moment as well. There are other things about Hilda at the beginning that don't quite add up. You know, like the fact that she's wanting Hellstrom to be punished for potentially killing her father. right? Right. But at the same time, she's trying to sneak away before he can be punished, having no idea that Hellstrom is going on this boat. They both end up on the boat. That 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 plot line just doesn't make much sense when you really think about it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I get that she's already called the people on him. I guess, you know, back in then she'd probably need to be there to identify him. But there's also that aspect of Denim leaving, and that might be her she sees that as an opportunity for adventure. And mm-hmm. I, I think get, I get that's her motivation. It, it was I, just weird that there were multiple motivations and it yes. seemed like she needed to stay there, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was interesting, but yeah, it's a good point. My, oh, that's a good shot award was at the end. And it's the, the hand of son of Kong outstretched in the water with that bandage still wrapped mm-hmm. around his finger um, as, as it sinks down into the depths of the ocean. As we said, we do have sympathy towards Kong Jr. here. More sympathy probably than we did for King Kong oh, in the yeah. first one. And that's in a shorter runtime. Uh, this wasn't a villain. This was a protagonist. And a protagonist that sacrificed himself for someone that I don't find quite as likable, which is Denim. And that, that moment where Denim escapes his hand and, and the hand just sinks in is, is really the bandage sells it because the yes. bandage, it comes full circle and you see it kind of blowing there in the wind. 
before it sinks into the ocean depths. I love that moment. It was great. Yeah, it's excellent. And and you're right. It's that bandage that really wraps it up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that wraps up our awards, Alex. Uh, Let's do our rating and ranking. I'll go ahead and go first. I I, I think I've expressed that I'm not a Son of Kong fan. But with that said, I think the last 30 minutes are genuinely fun. Uh, And I actually like the island escape moments. Uh, I think they're kind of thrilling. Kong Jr. is able to generate more sympathy than his father did, but the plot is convoluted and unbelievable. The dialogue is not as sharp or biting, and even the action, the stop motion, is a step back from the original. So keeping it short and sweet, I'm giving this one a 2.5 out of 5. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Like Your your complaints really aren't all... I don't disagree with any of them, but I'm still for some reason on a different side than you on this one. I, I had a good bit of fun. Uh, and I liked the way they worked with these characters this time around. Uh, this film did do two things better than the original. And that was the female character, character Hilda and their treatment of Kong. Uh, I think both of those really are, they're so important for the future of the franchise. And I really like seeing the origins of where they got these two characters to be linked together in this really charming way. But while I had fun with this uh, and I really enjoyed my time, not on skull Island actually. And I almost forgot there was even something that we were building to. (laughs) Then once we get there, it was a pretty fun experience. We get our dinosaurs, we get all these different monsters, uh, Mm -hmm. just like we did in the original, but not, not as well done. And even if the tone is a little everywhere, once they get to skull Island, Kong Jr.'s slapstick is a little out of place, but it also really works in making Kong Jr. this lovable big oaf. And it makes his demise at the end of the film really have this impact, even if everything else in those final five minutes doesn't quite make any sense. (laughs) So I'm going to give this one a 3.5 out of 5 for me. Uh, Got it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But I'm with you. It's nowhere near the original. Right. Nope. Uh, Well, next week, we are going to do King Kong Escapes. Um, We've already covered King Kong versus Godzilla. And I think it's it's one of our episodes where if you look back on our entire list of episodes, I think that's an episode we can look back on and say that was an episode where we started to find what we wanted the show to be like and be about. We started to find our voice a bit more in that episode. So definitely if you haven't listened to our King Kong versus Godzilla episode, which is our third episode ever go back, (laughs) take a listen. That was a fun one. Um, And we definitely really are are fans of King Kong versus Godzilla over here. Uh, So next week we'll talk about where King Kong versus Godzilla falls in our rankings uh, so far along with King Kong escapes. But did you provide a rhyme for King Kong escapes, Alex? Well, you know, you and me, we had talked a little bit about whether we were going to do a revisit of King Kong versus Godzilla or not. So I didn't know what movie we were doing. Uh, so you prepared two. So, I pre- uh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. So...
If you think King Kong escapes sounds pretty cool, then you must be a big fan, a big fan of apes and power tools. <laughs> I'm hoping power tools are in King Kong Escapes. Yeah, power tools because you have to build the con- the Mechanicon. Mechanicon. Okay. All right. All right. I see in your connection. All right. You know, that's pretty good. That, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, it, it, it's fine. It's fine, Alex. When King Kong meets a mechanical ape, will we sit agape as King Kong escapes? Ooh, that was, a, that was a good one, Eric. That's maybe yeah. one of your better ones. Oh, thanks, Alex. It's like I you actually tried that. this time. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod on Letterboxd where Alex Cornett and Eric Neely. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us some feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon and become a Bargain Basement Club member over at patreon.com slash mvmpod. You'll receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes like the one we're just about to record. Um, And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really do help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. As always, try, try to, to stay, uh, stay alive. alive. This is really short. <laughs>